0: Promo Kitchen is a nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. This podcast has been generously supported by Essent. As the leading provider of business management and commerce solutions in the promotional products industry, Essent makes managing a promotional products business easier. Serving distributors, decorators, and suppliers for over 35 years, Essent blends technology, industry best practices, and your proprietary processes to achieve business bliss, more efficient operations, more profitable relationships, and a better bottom line. Experience the industry's one and only fully integrated business management system and your new way to take care of business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products industry. My name is Mark Graham, co-founder of CommonSkew, and I'm joined by fellow chef Marshall Atkinson, COO of Visual Impressions. I'm going to turn it over to Marshall now to introduce today's very special guest. Marshall, take it away, sir.
1: Thanks, Mark. Tony Wavering is the founder of BidPress. In 2005, while studying business at the Wharton School, University of Pennsylvania, Tony started a custom apparel business that sold to many student groups and businesses in Pennsylvania and New York. After graduating from Penn and working as a management consulting in New York City for six years, Tony returned to the custom apparel business full-time, starting BidPress. BigPress is basically the kayak.com for custom t-shirts for groups. It's a platform that lets customers design custom t-shirts and other apparel online and get instant quotes from top print shops. Tony moved from New York City to Bangalore, India to live for five months as the development team there built the BidPress application from scratch. Tony has been interested in entrepreneurship from a young age and is funding this business in no small part with money made selling Beanie Babies online at the age of 11 and 12, (laughs) which I'm sure you're happy to get into with us. So first off, thanks so much, Tony, for joining us today. We're very excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Let's just get things going, and I'd like you to basically just kind of explain what is BidPress and how does it work?
2: Absolutely. So from a customer's perspective, like you said, we're sort of like Kayak.com, but for custom t-shirts and other apparel. So BidPress is a place where a customer can design a t-shirt or other product on our website and then get instant quotes from multiple decorators. They can choose a decorator on our platform based on price, delivery date, rating, and other attributes about that shop, such as if that shop is local. We also have a price comparison tool as well, so customers can see how much they save using Bidpress and decorators in our network versus using other shops online. But kind of unlike Kayak.com, where after you do a transaction, you might interface with American Airlines or Avis, we knew that we wanted to own the entire customer experience. We wanted to make sure that it was consistently great. So although a customer chooses a decorator on our website, they only have to work with us to get their order produced. They never need to work with decorators that they choose on our platform. From a supplier's perspective, we're a little bit like a custom ink or a foreign print in that we work with blank distributors like Bodak, Alpha, Sandmar, and we work with decorators spread across the United States. We have contract pricing agreements in place with some of the best print shops in the United States. And rather than mandate that they provide us with specific prices, we currently let them charge whatever they feel is appropriate for the goods and services they provide. But there is an incentive for suppliers to offer competitive prices and service levels because customers that come to BidPress.com, they tend to choose decorators that are the most competitively priced that can also deliver to them within 10 business days. So that's a little bit about BidPress and, and how it works from both angles.
1: Great. So how do you think that that kind of idea solves a problem that's in the industry? Because that's what we always talk about in business, that we're solving a problem. So what problem did you see that people were having that your platform solves
2: for them? Absolutely. I think that it's too expensive to buy quality custom t-shirts online. I want to emphasize the word quality there, and I also want to emphasize that When I say quality custom t-shirts online, I'm talking about the whole gamut. Great quality custom apparel, a great digital experience online, great customer service, all for a fair price. I think that's incredibly difficult to find online today. And Bidpress is, I think, a solution for those problems. We're very selective in in terms of the decorators that we let on our platform. I think that we have a very easy-to-use website, our services is is top-notch, and I think that we offer very competitive prices to customers as well.
0: Tony, question for you with regard to the pricing. Is it all done in real time when the consumer goes on the website to enter what they're looking for, or are they waiting to get bids back from decorators over the course of the next 15 minutes or so?
2: It is all real time. I know you know several years ago when we were trying to think about what we wanted to build in our platform, we had considered not letting the bids be available to customers in real time. But we decided that if a customer can't get bids in real time or see prices in real time, that creates a lot of friction for a customer. And they can go to customink.com or forimprint.com and and get prices right away. And, And if they're in a hurry, they might just go to one of those other platforms. So we decided to make pricing available to customers instantly to reduce friction. So how did you
1: arrive at that idea, Tony? Where did that kernel come from?
2: When I was in college at Penn, like you mentioned earlier, I sold t-shirts to student groups and to businesses. And I knew that there were a lot of great decorators out there in the United States with extra capacity, and that there was a market for contract printing, and also that there was a lot of friction involved with customers buying from these shops, especially when they're located in different corners of the country, and even in situations where they're located in the same city. You know, when I was in school in Philadelphia, me and my classmates, none of us had cars, and we couldn't drive to the local print shop to get shirts made. So there was there was just a lot of friction involved in buying custom T-shirts and other apparel. So Bidpress is a platform where some of the best decorators in the United States can print for customers in all corners of the U.S. in a pretty frictionless environment on our website.
0: If I'm a consumer for shirts, I'm a college student and I go online and I'm now looking to source my t-shirts online versus going through the traditional promotional products distributor channel. I'm going to Google t-shirts. I'm going to find Spreadshirt. I'm going to find Teespring. I'm going to find Custom Inc. I'm going to find... BidPress and Zazzle and the list kind of goes on. What differentiates you from the consumer perspective from any of those other platforms?
2: From the consumer perspective, I'm pretty confident that BidPress will be priced amongst the most competitively priced vendors out of that list. Right. We we'll probably have a decorator close to where that student goes to school so right. they can get their goods faster from Got us. It if one of those other companies needs to manufacture goods farther away from them. Right. Um, so it's definitely price and speed element to it, but then our quality is great too because, like I said earlier, we're incredibly discerning in terms of only working with some of the best decorators out there. We guarantee the quality of all products that are sold and bought on the platform, and that's led us to be really careful about who we partner with in, in terms of our printing partners. Right. Yeah, and in full
1: disclosure, Visual Impressions is one of his printers in the network,
2: so
0: that's well, who a, he's talking about. <laughs> a top printer, of course. Of so course. Let me ask you this, Marshall. So I'm going to pause here for Tony, and I'm going to ask you a question. I put you in the hot seat here, Marshall. So we've been talking about the end client or the consumer's experience, but of course, a big part of your application, Tony, is in catering to the supply chain or the decorators like Marshall's business. What has your experience been working with Bidpress Marshall, as opposed to working with traditional distributors who are also placing business with you? Is there a
1: difference? Well, that's a great question, Mark. You know, Tony has spent a lot of time and effort to think of the smallest challenge or problem and ferret that answer out. And So when we get an order from him, we get the art, we get what we need to do, we get the date, we get how it's supposed to ship, when are we getting the goods, we get everything, okay? And that's exactly the type of client that we like. And, you know, we do stuff, you know, we're a contractor apparel decorator, and we work with some of the best companies in the industry, and Tony's bid press system is just like that. And that's what you need to be. Because that helps us get his order through the pipe faster because, you know, we know his shirts are showing up on Thursday and here's their art already and we can do all we have to do. And it's pretty seamless. Right. And that's one of the big challenges we always get, especially from salespeople, you know, the sales guy. Because sometimes they're too busy to give you that answer. And so we don't know when the shirts are coming in or the there are, there's an issue or they never approve their artwork or whatever. I don't have any of that with Tony, so he's like a dream client. Right. <laughs> so right. that's what makes it so great because he spent, and this is a great segue into the next question, he spent lots of time really working on building a thing so it's perfect before he launched it. Right. And so... You know, that's kind of the deal. So I think why don't we segue into the next question, which is, Tony, how did you build the site? What hurdles did you overcome? And why did you move to India when you built the site? I think that's probably the biggest question that anybody who knows you asks you. Why did you do that? And I think everybody would love to hear that.
2: Absolutely. It's not something that I can sum up quickly, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. It was 2013. I had an idea of what I wanted the business model to look like and what I did is I developed a set of wireframes which are basically sketches of what a website is going to look like, what key elements of a website should look like, but I had no idea how I was going to get it built. I live in New York City, that's where our headquarters is, and I took a workshop on how to manage web development teams at an organization called General Assembly. And I learned in taking that workshop that when you're building a website, Everybody wants a fantastic website quickly and for as little money as possible, but you can't have all three. You have to compromise in one of those dimensions to get what you want in the other two. And I knew that I wanted a high quality website as quickly as possible, but I also knew that money was tight. We haven't and had not raised money at that point in time. And I knew that I'd have to go abroad to get a website with the level of quality that I was comfortable with. A developer in New York City who knows Ruby on Rails and has three to five years of experience, you're going to spend over $125,000 on that kind of engineer. And in India, it costs a fraction of that for the same quality. So I was actually really lucky. When I was at Penn, I lived next to a guy freshman year who started a startup sort of like Zipcar, except it's in India and it's called Zoom Car. and learning how he built the first version of their website, that led me to consider working with a software development team in Bangalore, India, which is India's equivalent of Silicon Valley. Lots of amazing programmers are in Bangalore. So I flew over to Bangalore, met with multiple firms there, and found one that I wanted to work with. And I knew that moving to India and working right next to the team, that that would help me de-risk building our site. There are so many decisions to make, especially with things being fluid and us just getting started. And I knew that we could iterate faster if I was there next to them in person.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, it was the most difficult thing I've ever done, especially going on stretches in India in excess of four months and building this really complex site while also trying to manage expenses closely. But it was very rewarding. You know, after we did our first transaction, I flew the team to the Taj Mahal in North India near Delhi to celebrate that important milestone. And I'll never forget some of those you know, amazing moments that I shared there with the team in India. Mm. So it was a wonderful but really challenging experience. If we didn't need to build our design tool aspect of our website, it would have been a much shorter trip in India, but it was a very complex part of our website to build. That right. page where you upload raster and vector images on your browser, resize it, and where we can see a pixel-perfect rendering of what you saw in your browser on our back-end. It took a while to build.
0: Right. And how do you manage the team now that you're up and running, you're live, and you're back in New York? Do you have a team in New York now, or are you able to just manage through online channels with updates and new features?
2: Our tech team is still in India. We've got a team of four software engineers there, and I have calls with them Pretty much every day or every other day via Google Hangouts and Skype. You know, we continue to release a lot of exciting features on our website, and that'll never stop.
0: It's a fluid thing, as you say. <laughs> That's great.
2: Incredibly fluid. Tony, what about
1: this online space scares you the most, keeps you up at night? And what are you doing about it right now to plan for you know, a year or two or three down the road? What do you see happening?
2: I think what scares me the most about the industry that we're in is just that, you know, everything that we provide to customers is ultimately up to their discretion. We can think that we do everything right, and, you know, something about what we provide to the customer may not be exactly in line with their expectations, and they can be disappointed with their order. So, you know, that's something that isn't really online that scares me, but that does scare me in an offline way. Our biggest challenge going forward is going to be figuring out how to acquire customers, you know, spending amounts of money that, that makes sense to acquire customers. Right. So we haven't figured that out yet, but we're working on it, and that's going to be really important for us as we move on to scaling down the road.
1: Who do you see as your, you know, if you were to stereotype your customer, who is that?
2: To date, our customers are generally businesses, and they're usually tech startups. So, you know, it's smaller businesses that are kind of tech savvy, customers in their late 20s to 30s, and interested in doing something in a new and innovative way. That's
1: interesting that it's tech companies. I wouldn't have thought that, but I guess that makes sense.
2: I've attended lots of startup conferences and we have booths at different startup conferences and that's really like who we've been around a lot to date, so that's probably part of why that's our biggest customer segment right now, but I think that going forward, we'll probably see a lot more diversity in terms of customer segment.
1: So it's more of just your organic exposure to people? Absolutely. Right.
0: When you talk about scaling your marketing efforts, you haven't jumped into the online space and Google AdWords and the traditional marketing that you find online whereas you've been more focused on community building and just being out there and in, in the community. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we've definitely spent a lot of time out there in the community, and we're, we're getting started in, in terms of, like, our AdWords campaigns. We've been running them for several months now, and we're doing lots of tinkering, trying to optimize for what works best, building custom landing pages to help with conversion, making sure that, you know, when we pay for clicks that we're actually getting the ROI we need to continue to invest money in those clicks.
0: Right. And Tony, what is the structure of your team in New York? So you've got your four developers that are in India, and that's great. But I'm curious as to what Bidpress looks like from an organizational structure. And I ask that because a lot of people who are listening to this podcast fall into the more traditional supplier-distributor environment where they have operations folks, they've got maybe a marketing person, and then a number of either inside or field salespeople that are out knocking on doors selling things like T-shirts. Your model is totally different than that. So tell us what BidPress looks like in New York.
2: Sure. It's an incredibly small team. It's me and another part-time resource who focuses exclusively on sales that's the entire team. And, you know, we work with a lot of freelancers to do things like artwork, manage our pay-per-click campaigns, and pretty much everything else. So it's quite a small team. Who's the account executive? It's often me. (laughs) CMO, me. So we're really small right now, and I'm excited that we'll eventually have a need to have distinct individuals running those different functions.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, and I don't know whether I'm you know reading this into your answer but there is absolutely no shame being a small team i mean that's where everyone starts and the amazing thing about what you've done just from my observation here and this is the incredible thing you can do with technology and software these days is you can build something that makes you look like you're a thousand person organization and you've got that scale but at the end of the day it's the technology that is really doing a lot of the work And, you know, you don't need a huge team to manage it.
2: I think that not having a lot of money and people can really help you focus on the right thing as an organization. And we've absolutely been hyper-focused on how can we be as effective as possible given our limited resources. So, you know, whether it means relying on open source technologies like our e-commerce platform or, you know, piecing together lots of things that have already been built, you know, we've definitely tried to, to optimize around that.
0: I've got one question, and Marshall, I think that you might be able to weigh in on this as well, but for the promotional products geeks that are listening to this, especially those that are very interested in the operational side of things, I'm really curious to understand the process. So I'm a consumer or a group. I go onto your website. I, I upload my logo. I identify the printer that I want to go ahead with. I submit the order. I pay for it. And the artwork is then sent to Marshall. Marshall gets it and says, well, hang on a second, I can't print this, or I've got a question about the PMS color, or these colors touch, and that's going to represent a problem, or I can't print it on the back of the neck, or whatever the case may be. How do you then deal with those exceptions, like the sort of the dirty side of our business, which is Marshall gets that purchase order, which looks nice (laughs) on the surface, but then it goes sideways, how does Marshall interact back with you? How do you then correct it back with the consumer, and is that done in an offline environment or an online environment?
2: When customers place orders online, orders do not go directly to our decorators. There's definitely a review process, and we catch for things like, oh, did a customer give us a low-resolution image? If yes, then you know we circle back to the customer and ask them for a high-resolution image, or if they don't have one, you know, we help them get one created. So nothing goes to a decorator until there's a bow on it, until it looks perfect, you know, and until they could run with it without ever needing to ask us questions, ideally. Got it. There's definitely some, you know, manual back and forth on certain orders where customers give us logos rather than where they create their own logo on our website using one of 100,000 clipboard images we make available or using text some of it is, is straight through, but some of it is not, especially when customers upload their own designs.
1: Yeah, I'd like to add, we've done, I don't really know how many orders, but we've done digital orders, we've done screen printing orders, and we haven't had an issue yet, and they just go pretty seamless, and if we have any questions, there's email, phone calls, that kind of stuff, and things get resolved. And right. Because sometimes, you know, the inventory is late because they had to find some sizes in a different warehouse or whatever, and we do have questions, but it really functions very well, and that's one of the great things that I'm so happy about and why actually I wanted Tony and BidPress to be on the podcast because in this industry it's pretty unique to have that level of quality on the orders coming in. Yep. So since we're talking about the promo industry anyway, Tony, why don't you talk about what BidPress has to offer the Promo industry? How can distributors use your site? How can they use you to do things? And what's the benefit of going through BidPress? You know, how can you explain that?
2: You know, If you're listening and you run a great screen printing or embroidery shop and you want to expand your market, taking advantage of orders being placed online or outside your geography, We'd love to work with you. You can focus on what you do best, which is printing, and we'll handle everything else. You you never need to talk to a customer when you work with BidPress, which I think is pretty desirable from a a decorator's perspective. We are experimenting with a program where different distributors can place orders on our website at discounted rates. So if you're interested in learning more about that program, definitely shoot me an email, tony at bidpress.com, and we can talk more about that. We're also hiring in the industry, so we're looking for talented sales and account execs, ideally in New York, but we're open to other geographies too. So if you're looking to join a fast-growing startup in the customer apparel space, feel free to shoot me an email as well. And suppliers, as we scale, they're going to get the benefit of more orders being placed electronically through EDI and through APIs. So it'll be good for everybody when there's a lot of volume going on on our platform.
0: Right. Your model is very reminiscent of what iClick used to do with their iClick Decorate model. Tony, I'm not sure if you're familiar with iClick Decorate. Marshall, I know that you are because you, I think, were involved in that network back in the day. Yep. Tony, are you familiar with iClick or does that name not mean anything to you?
2: I've heard people say that before. And when I tried to do some research on that I wasn't able to really find anything similar to our business. So maybe it's something that's not described online anymore.
0: Marshall, this is kind of more a question for you, but I'm just so curious about it. So the model with iClick Decorate, it doesn't exist anymore. But the model was they contracted with several decorators, top decorators across the U.S. And the model was that if you were looking to have, you know, 500 hoodies printed and delivered to a Florida-based client, that you could place that order with the iClick people. iClick also is a USB and pen promotional product supplier, but with a really great customer service platform. And so the idea was that you could place the order for 200 printed hoodies to be delivered in Florida, and they would then select the closest printer to do the job. And there would be one common price list. That, of course, is different from your model. Then they would take care of all the customer service, the printing, ensuring that the logo is correct, and then ultimately the shipping of the product. And the model, unfortunately, didn't work. And Marshall, I'm curious from your perspective as to whether you see what Tony is doing with the more technologically oriented aspect of the software. Like, do you see that as something having more success than that more non-technical iClick model?
1: Well, I think they're very similar. I think what separates Tony's idea is that you know iClick, just like if you print for Custom ink or whoever, you know that's their rate. That's what they're going to pay you. Yeah. For BidPress, it's we're as competitive as we want to be. Yep. And so the, the benefit there is this is our price list, these are our terms, and then we get jobs at margins we want to accept. Right. And I think that's what's really a big benefit for a company like ours is because it's business as usual. We don't have to lower our standards just to get business. And yeah. so that's what to me is is really appealing about it. But it's very similar in the idea, and just in generalities. I think the BidPress team, how the orders come in and their artwork and everything, it's more of a complete final package with less questions than I think we had when we did stuff for iClick. And I think that it really says a lot about the thought that Tony and his group has put into it, because that level of everything is exactly what you need doesn't happen a lot.
0: (laughs) So that's why it's such a unique thing. Yeah. That could even be the benefit, Tony. Like I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head here as someone who's been in the promotional products business for some time, that that actually could be the sales pitch and the benefit to the distributors that by placing the orders through your site and getting attractive pricing for screen printing, that it then makes the PO back to people like Marshall significantly better than what they might be able to provide on their own and there are some distributors that really need that help because they're not particularly organized or nor do they particularly care they just want to get the sale and move on and that can be very very difficult so that could be um, an interesting value proposition for you as you start marketing to distributors
2: absolutely so
1: tony why don't you talk about your vetting process for your supply chain you know for your printers you're not just picking any guy off the street. I mean, you've put a lot of time and effort into making sure that the people that are doing your production really know what they're talking about. So why don't you kind of give us a little background on that?
2: Like I mentioned earlier, we are incredibly discerning when it comes to which print shops we want to work with. You know, we started out finding print shops to work with. Well, I had a a group of print shops that I worked with having worked in the industry a bit during college, but we grew that list of print shops after I attended different industry trade shows and networked with different people at those trade shows. So you know, I started out asking people like Charlie Talib and other folks who go to these ASI shows and PPAI shows, I asked them, you know, who do you respect a lot in the industry and who would you recommend you know, picking up as a contract decorator? And so, you know, after asking that question lots of different times, I had a long list and I went down the list and started reaching out to different decorators that were on that list. So, you know, these were decorators who were recommended by some of, I don't know, the leading minds in the industry, some of the most picky particular people in the industry who were teaching these courses or workshops. So that's kind of how we started finding our, our print shops. And today we rely a lot on recommendations from people in the industry who consult with different print shops and are familiar with the operations inside of different print shops and the quality inside of different print shops. So there are definitely some print shops that we started working with in our early days that we don't work with today just because you know the quality wasn't where it needed to be. But we've since removed certain decorators from our platform and we're just really happy with what we've got on the platform today. Right. Is there an option down the
0: road to add products other than T-shirts, or is the focus for the foreseeable future just on the T-shirt market?
2: In our online catalog today, we've got pretty much all wearables above the waist, except for things you put on your head. So we do T-shirts, hoodies, polos, tank tops, garments of that nature. We'll probably stick to apparel for at least the next year. We want to become great at that before we would consider getting into other types of promotional products. And if we have a large customer who wants 50,000 tote bags, you know, we'll make an exception and and try to get them what they need to. That's happened before. So I have to specialize in apparel only.
0: Right. So during the process that they submit an order for 1,000 T-shirts, but then they say, hey, do you also do coffee cups and yo-yos? Then that's something that you would do offline and source that for
2: them. That's right.
0: Right.
1: Are you thinking about embroidery what are your plans
2: for that because that seems like a natural next step we've definitely done a bunch of embroidery orders as well they're not priced out perfectly online there's a manual adjustment process we have to do to get those through our application but we definitely do embroidery orders and in probably the next couple months we'll make sure that customers can get pricing on embroidery and direct to garment printing all on our website so that there's no manual intervention required on our end to get customers those prices. So what are you
1: working on to get that going? Is it just a programming kind of thing, or what's the delay?
2: Yeah, we've definitely already got pricing from lots of great embroidery shops across the United States, so the delay is definitely technology. It'll probably take three weeks to build that and get that loaded in our platform. So we've been prioritizing other things related to conversion of our screen printing orders before we kind of tried to make sure that all different types of decoration methods were covered on our website.
0: Tony, if you were to be giving advice to a young entrepreneur that was looking to get into the promotional products business and wanted to get in more through the technology side as opposed to the traditional relationship-based side of the business, what would you tell him or her?
2: I'd probably recommend getting some experience at organizations in this industry that appear to be best-in-class in terms of technology. So you might consider Custom Inc. to be a best-in-class technology organization. You might consider other people who are in the online space out there to be best-in-class. I'd recommend like working with a company who has a very tech-savvy offering, getting some experience there first. Right, and then any advice
0: on like the actual building of the platform in terms of like how you would recommend they go about doing that. I know, of course, you went to India and that sounded like it was a really positive experience, but knowing what you know now, even moving to India and building it, were there things that you would have done differently?
2: I went to a tech conference once and someone who's giving the workshop said that technology organizations in general ought to try to write as few lines of code as possible. You ought to try to leverage what is out there and already built, rather than than building things yourself. So I'd recommend to somebody who wants to get into this business in a in a tech focused way to you know try to leverage as much open source software as possible, try to write as little code as possible because it's just not it's not worth your time trying to figure out how to build an e commerce platform. So you know you definitely have to be incredibly selective with the problems that you're going to try to tackle, and only tackle those that you don't think there are great solutions out there already for. Yep.
1: All right. So Tony, last questions. Where do you see BidPress three, five years down the road? I mean, what's your kind of, you know, in your brain, what's the dream that you keep going over every day?
2: The dream is one where BidPress has a, a really great geographic footprint in terms of our printing partners and our printing network. So, you know, being at a minimum in every city with more than 2 million people, that's something we'd like to do. That will help us allow customers to get delivery even faster than they can today. Another dream would be, and this will happen much faster than three to five years from now, printers are going to be able to set their own availability in real time on our marketplace. And if it's January and business is slow, what they can do is they can apply discounts to their normal contract rates that they have, in place with us. And if it's June and they're really busy, maybe they would apply premiums to the normal contract rates before taking on jobs or pause their services entirely from being on our network. So you know, those are probably the two offerings to both customers and print shops that I'd like to offer in the next three to five years. But the industry is just so large and we definitely think that we have a great opportunity ahead of us in terms of picking up some market share and turning this into a multi million dollar business. So I'm just really excited about trying to do some transformative things in the industry. It's
0: like the Uber marketplace for T shirts, you know, I love it. You know, surge pricing for shirts in June. (laughs) Right. Tony, thank you so much for spending the time with us. This was absolutely fascinating. The time flew. We always like to give our guests the last word, either ways that people can find out more information about you. I know that you gave a little plug there before, or if there's anything else that you would love to let the Promo Kitchen community know about uh,
2: BidPress. Definitely. So, you know, if you'd like to stay in touch, we're definitely all over social media, BidPress. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and find us on Instagram. I'm also on all of those platforms, too. And if you'd like to reach out to me personally, feel free to shoot me an email, tony at bidpress.com. It would be wonderful to hear from you if you're a great decorator out there with screen printing and embroidery capabilities and or if you're in the New York City area and interested in sales and account executive positions, it'd be great to hear from you or just anyone else who's interested in networking.
0: Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. See you next time.